Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord for the Labor Day Conference. Amen. Not for labor, but for feasting. Amen. I hope uh, all the saints coming together will put aside your labor. You're not here to work or to struggle, uh, but here to enjoy. Amen. To feast with all of God's people, right? To uh, uh, testify of our oneness in the Lord. Well, uh, this weekend, uh, we have a wonderful uh, uh, subject to fellowship with all the saints here, all the churches, as we have, uh, maybe we can read it one more time, the subject of this conference. Amen. Amen. Well, these are messages uh, that were released uh, with the elders and the uh, responsible ones uh, in April this year. And... Uh, they are all together, uh, eight messages, and uh, here we, this weekend, we have five meetings. So this morning, as you walk in, you receive uh, two outlines. Uh, don't worry, we will not cover every single point, <laughs> otherwise we'll be keeping you here uh, for a week. So, uh, uh, but we will speak on some of the uh, important uh, points uh, revealed in these uh, uh, outlines. <clears throat> well, uh, this matter of oneness, uh, which uh, is, I would say, <clears throat> is a familiar matter, you know, to many saints. This has been uh, stressed, repeated uh, in the meetings uh, in the churches often. But uh, I believe the Lord knows how much we have really seen this matter of oneness, or how thoroughly that we have seen this matter of oneness. Uh, in these messages, we are covering the matter of the vision, the experience, and the practice of the all-inclusive oneness. Oneness is a matter of critical importance. As far as the Holy Word is concerned as far as God's eternal economy is concerned. Without the, without the oneness, you may say the entire economy of God falls apart. So we are touching when we very, very great. To begin, I would say that just to impress you with the... Uh, importance of this matter, that from the viewpoint of four great acts of God, the scripture reveals to us that God has some particular acts, some particular operation revealed in the word, which are great, which are crucial. And in these great acts of God, we can see God upheld the principle of oneness. Amen. Well, first, when God came to create, in his creation, he kept the principle of oneness. God created, right? He, he created the, uh, all the surroundings, the heavens, the earth, and all the things therein. 
But on the sixth day, he came to create man. That was the focus of God's creation. He needed a man for his expression. He created man in his image according to his likeness. Well, his desire is that this whole earth will be filled with men, right, for his expression. However, in God's creation of man, he created only one man. Although in God's heart, he desired to have many men filling the whole earth, replenishing the whole earth, but he created only one man. We shouldn't think that God created two men, two persons, Adam and Eve. No, Adam, Eve was not God's creation. God used a rib out of Adam's side to build the woman. Eve was a part of Adam. God created one man, and out of this one man came all the peoples of the earth. This is God's wisdom. Although God would like to see so many people filling the whole earth, he, will not, he would not just instantly create millions of people. He could have done that. He snapped his finger and there they are. Millions of people are, you know, uh, uh, came up. But God kept the principle of oneness. If he created, let's say, a thousand persons on that first day, can you imagine? Well, today, well, Bill, which person you came out of? That's the 999. I came out of 950. I'm a little earlier than you. There will be contention. There will be rivalries. But in God's wisdom, he created all the peoples out of one source. Out of one man. Right? You may say it took, uh, it took uh, uh, in order for God to replenish the earth, it takes a long time. But God <clears throat> rather used the time to preserve the principle of oneness. Amen. That there would be no confusion, uh, no contention, no rivalry. Well, after a while, even this, the, the, the created race had fallen, had failed God. Well, God had to come to call another race. So in this second great act of God, he called Abraham. The first created race failed God. And in the calling of this called race, Abraham, again, God kept the principle of oneness. We have to believe that at Abraham's time, there must have been others who are also God-fearing, who were worshiping God, like Abraham. But among so many, God chose Abraham. God called Abraham. And from him, from out of Abraham, there came Isaac and Jacob and the whole nation of Israel. That was the Old Testament. So even in the calling of this called race, God kept the principle of oneness. God called Abraham. Then, when you come to the New Testament, after God himself came... In the person of Jesus Christ, he died and resurrected, and he produced and regenerated all of the believers to bring forth the church. Well, as the new creation, again, is in the principle of oneness. On the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, 
There was one church. There was the church in Jerusalem raised up right, on the day of Pentecost as the source, as the beginning of all the other churches. Again, God would, the Lord desires to see many churches raised up on the earth. However, there has to be a proper beginning. The Lord did not just raise up many churches all at once. He began with Jerusalem. He gathered his disciples there and he poured out his consummated spirit there. And the church in Jerusalem as the beginning of the new creation was preserved, was an expression of the principle of oneness preserved by God. And ultimately, brothers and sisters, in the uh, consummation of the divine revelation in the, new, in the new heaven and new earth, we have the new Jerusalem. Amen. The holy city as the totality of all of God's chosen people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. After the 6,000 years of God's work among his people, consum- ultimately, there was only one result, one issue, the holy city, new Jerusalem. Isn't this wonderful? That after God worked for 6,000 years, the result was not, well, a city there, a city here, and then there are so many cities, right, displaying, well, a a city for the uh, uh, English-speaking people, a city for the Spanish-speaking people, a city for the Chinese-speaking people. What an array of, uh, a display of the variety of God's work, right? No, instead... There was just one holy city. New Jerusalem. Here, the Chinese are there. The Americans are there. French are there. The Germans are there. The Japanese are there. Old Testament saints are there. New Testament saints are there. Church in Newton is there. Church in Cambridge is there. Church in New York is there. Oh, church in Los Angeles is there. All all the saints, all the churches from Old, Old Testament, New Testament, all got constituted into the one holy city. Amen. Right? Temporarily, because of time and space, we live in certain city at a certain time. But ultimately, God is building us into that unique city. One city. Right? This is our destination. We all are on this way, on our way, arriving at our destination. The holy city, right? So, wherever we are is only temporary. Newton is temporary. Cambridge is temporary, right? Worcester is temporary. Newington is temporary. The new Jerusalem is our destiny. So, as you can see, brothers and sisters, in these great acts of God, God is a God of oneness. He would never allow anything to come in to distract him from this, to bring in, to give ground for any kind of contention, any kind of confusion, even though how much he desires to see his testimony multiply, spread all over the earth, he would always keep the principle of oneness. And as this title implies... This oneness we call is called and we call it all inclusive oneness. 
implying this oneness includes all the positive things. This oneness is all-inclusive. Just like our Christ is all-inclusive, we call him the all-inclusive Christ. Amen. He is everything to us. He is all the positive things, right? He is the air that we breathe. He is the water we drink. He's the clothing we put on. He is the all-inclusive Christ. Amen. Well, the same way, brothers and sisters, have you ever considered the oneness we are talking about, we treasure so much, is also all-inclusive. It includes all the positive things. Oneness is not just one uh, item. One, oneness is not just some kind uh, uh, a spiritual, one spiritual item, one spiritual virtue that we Christians should pursue. No, oneness is the thing. It's all-inclusive. It includes all the positive blessings. All the positive virtues are included in the oneness. If you have oneness, spontaneously, you will have all the blessings of all the positive items. If you don't have oneness, you miss all the positive things. We need to see oneness to such a degree that this oneness is an all-inclusive oneness. We are not just pursuing an item of spirituality called oneness or an item of the truth called oneness. Oneness is all-inclusive because why, as you will see through all these messages, oneness is the very triune God himself. Just like the triune God embodied in Christ is all-inclusive, this oneness which is just the triune God himself, is all-inclusive. You have the triune God, you have all the blessings. If you don't have the triune God, you have zero. You have nothing. Right? So this is a, an all-inclusive oneness. And may the Lord grant us all this weekend to see a vision. Amen. And also by this vision to enter into the experience And this experience eventually must lead us to have a practice. It has to be in this order, brothers and sisters. Some may feel, oh, we are experiencing oneness. But what is your vision? Do you have a clear vision of oneness is? Many saints can be misled by their so-called experience. Some seemingly... Exciting experience, right? Stirring experience, enjoyable experience, yet is not guided by a vision. All our experiences should result from a vision. Otherwise, our experiences are not so reliable, right? The Bible presents to us first a vision. A clear vision, a controlling vision, and out of this vision comes our experience, and then eventually that experience leads to our practice. So we hope that this weekend, as we are covering these messages, the Lord will grant mercy to us, will open up our inner eyes, the eyes of our heart, that we may see a vision. I know, you know, we are... in a a sense, somewhat familiar with this matter of oneness, but in only in a superficial way. 
We need to ask the Lord, Lord, open my eyes. Cause me to see this oneness, especially the all-inclusive oneness. I want to see oneness in an all-inclusive way. Not just oneness in as, one pers- uh, as one item, in a kind of a partial way. I want to see oneness in a total way, in a complete way, as an all-inclusive oneness. Then, out of this vision, the Lord will bring you to certain experiences, right? And eventually, that experience will become a kind of practice that we have, right, personally, in our personal life, as well as in our corporate church life. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we are covering both outlines on message one and message two. Uh, <clears throat> I will not cover all the points. My sharing will be, I would say, more focused on message one, but I will also touch on some of the points in message two. The title of message one is The Lord's Recovery of the All-Inclusive Oneness, and message two is on enjoying Christ with God on the ground of oneness. You may put them together to read The Lord's Recovery of the All-Inclusive Oneness, By enjoying Christ with God on the ground of oneness. Amen. So this is uh, the combined message today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Right? This is the way the Lord Lord will recover this all-inclusive oneness. By how? How? By enjoying Christ with God on the ground of oneness. Now, let me, uh, let's go on to uh, the outline of message one on Roman numeral one. The oneness in the Bible is an all-inclusive oneness for the expression of God as the mystery of godliness to carry out the desire of God's heart and uh, carry out the desire of God's heart. And division is an all-inclusive division for the expression of Satan as the mystery of lawlessness to carry out the scheme of Satan's plot. We need to see, brothers and sisters, this oneness, as revealed in the Bible, is an all-inclusive oneness for the expression of God. Oneness is related to expression. The Bible clearly reveals to us, when God came to create man, His intention was to gain an expression. He he needs to have a man created in his image with his likeness so that he can be expressed. God himself is invisible, yet he desires to have an expression. And oneness is related to this expression. If this morning, standing before you, you know, as a person, well, my arm is uh, cut off, put in that, on top of the piano, piano there. And then, uh, you know, one of my legs is somehow hanging there on that corner. You know, the members are dis- dismembered, and, uh, uh, are separated. Is this a wonderful expression? I think you all be scared and be running, run, run, running away. That's not a wonderful expression to see something dis- dismembered. But when you see a person, 
right? All the, all the with so many members, yet they all join, connected together in a harmonious way. Our human body actually is a wonderful expression of oneness. Our human body is one. It does not need to be united, right? It is one. I don't have to unite my arm with my, you know, to my shoulder, to my, to my body. That is a robot, right? That is a something, you know, something, uh, something you piece together. A human body as an organism is an expression of oneness. So many members, so many parts, yet they are, they are joined organically to be one. And this oneness is related to expression. When a, a body is damaged, is this, uh, uh, dismembered, disjointed, right away the expression is gone. Right? Today, brothers and sisters, among God's children on the earth, do we see a picture of oneness or do we see a picture of dismemberment? Right? All Every believer is a member of the body of Christ, right? The Bible tells us, we, every one of us is a member of the body of Christ, but yet due to religion, due to different kind of uh, our, our preferences, our habits, Christians are, are divided, separated from one another. That is not a glory to the Lord. That is a shame. The Lord desires oneness to see all the saints, all his members are joined together, right? Are built together to have that glorious expression. Wherever oneness is, there is expression. That's why we will cover that uh, uh, in the third meeting. The Lord prayed in John 17 before he left the earth. He prayed to the Father that he would keep his children in oneness. That they may be one. If they are one, the world will know. If they are one, the world will see. So, oneness actually equals expression. God's purpose is to have, to gain an expression. And this expression is altogether maintained and carried out through an expression. Through oneness. Through the oneness. So, this, one, this oneness is for the expression of God as the mystery of godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is God being lived out in man. God being expressed in man. Great is the mystery of godliness. God is manifested in the flesh. This oneness we are talking about for the expression of God is an expression of God in his godliness. Is God mingling with man. God lived in man. God lived out through man. This is the expression that God desires. On the other hand, you have division, which is also all-inclusive. Meaning, that division, when you touch division, you touch something, it's a total matter. 
You don't just touch something bad called division. As just you, you touch sin, you touch jealousy, you touch pride, and you touch division. You have to realize when you touch division, you touch the totality of all the bad things. Division is all-inclusive. You know, many times we use this illustration. When a husband and a wife, as a couple, they are, they are one together in this family. The husband may be, may be not, is not rich, and the wife may not be the most prettiest woman in, on the earth, but yet they too live in oneness. With them, there is joy, there is happiness, there is peace. On the other hand, you may have a rich husband, a beautiful wife, but all the time they are fighting, you know, they are not living in oneness. Eventually they divorce. Both of them, individually speaking, you know, very well qualified, very sought, well sought after, but between them there's no oneness. And that division becomes the source of many problems, of many evils. Many, many negative things. Open the door for many negative things to come in. So just like oneness is all-inclusive, division also is all-inclusive. It is, this division is for the expression of Satan. We need to be impressed with this fact that when you touch division, you touch Satan. Division is an expression of Satan as the mystery of lawlessness. Right? Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians tells us at the end time, the man of sin, who is the man of lawlessness, will appear. That will be the Antichrist. The characteristic of that Antichrist is that he is a man of sin, he is a man of lawlessness. Whatever he does, is lawless. He just does whatever he feels right in his own eyes. He is not governed by any principle. He's governed, he, just, he, is just, he just does whatever, whatever pleases himself. Division, as an expression of Satan, expresses this mystery of lawlessness to carry out the scheme of Satan's plot. You know, when we are living in the local churches, in the Lord's recovery, you know, which is, we are burdened, our commission is to keep this oneness, right? To remain under this all-inclusive oneness. Many times we feel we are not free. We are restricted. Yes, I do admit, we are restricted. You know, a number of years ago, I talked to a brother, who was one among, once, uh, one, uh, one time among us, but now he, he no longer uh, met with us. I've had fellowship with him. And he said, oh, I'm free. I just feel so happy. I'm free. I can, you know, I just feel so good now. You know, and I, and I understand what he meant. Because you are, now, it's just like, I'm not bound anymore. There's no restriction anymore. To live under this oneness, there is a restriction. We are restricted by this God of oneness. We don't have the freedom to just do the things that Christianity is doing. 
in order to preserve the proper expression of the triune God. But on the other hand, when others come off from this restriction, now they are so-called free. But that freedom does not mean that there is the proper expression. He does not realize that by enjoying that freedom, he give in to division, which is an expression of Satan. In to carry out Satan's scheme, expressing the mystery of lawlessness. Lawlessness is a mystery too. Right? Sometimes in a mysterious way. I mean, but you know, I, I know that when, when I was talking with that brother, he, 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 felt, he felt quite all right to feel free. There's a mystery to lawlessness. You feel, when you are lawless, you feel free. But when, in your freedom, you are, you are actually lawless. Not under any governing principle. Expressing Satan in division. So, now, here we have four sub-points. Uh, one sub, uh, these are all wonderful points. How about we have brothers read point A. Okay, sisters on B. Amen. Brothers on C. Amen. Sisters D. Amen. 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 Before we go on, I think Alan has an announcement. If anyone has a black Mazda, mass number 3304 RM, the car needs to be moved. Thank you. Amen. Well, point A says the oneness of the triune God, which is the oneness of the body of Christ. The oneness of the church in, that we are practicing in the church life is the oneness of the body of Christ is actually the oneness of the triune God. Many of us may have the concept that our oneness is just our peacefully living together, right? That we don't fight with each other, we don't quarrel, uh, you know, we say hi to each other, how are you? I'm fine, you are fine, okay, let's keep the peace, right? 
That is not oneness. The oneness of the body of Christ is the oneness of the triune God. You know, I was uh, pray reading uh, this week on, you know, just enjoying those verses in John 17, where the Lord prayed that you may be one, that even as, even as we are one. That means He and the Father. The oneness that we are practicing in the church life, among one another, should be an even as oneness. Even as the triune God is one. Even as the Son and the Father are one. It is not just, you know, we treat each other nicely, fairly, you know, uh, uh, courteously. That is not it, oneness. Oneness is only when we are touching the triune God himself. Amen. The oneness of the triune God, which is the oneness of the body of Christ, includes all that Christ is to us. In that oneness, which is the oneness of the triune God, is embodied all the riches of Christ. All that Christ is are included there. So in our practice of oneness, in our experience of oneness, what is this? It is not just uh, expressing our goodness, our humility only. There has to be the experience and the enjoyment of the riches of Christ. All that Christ is to us are included, are implied in the oneness of the triune God. And this, the practice of this oneness, which is the one accord, is the master key to unlock all the blessings in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. I really believe all the saints here, the brothers here in the churches can testify in this last year, the Lord has been bringing all the brothers into oneness, even into a genuine one accord. And this one accord is the master key to unlock all the blessings. If we don't have have oneness, we don't have the one accord, you know, uh, 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 each saint, each church, we just uh, do what we uh, uh, feel to do, Right? We have no uh, uh, care for one another. Lord, the Lord will not bless that, right? That will not be the blessing. And we will see it tonight in, when we come to Psalm 133. The, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Amen. There, the Lord will command his blessing. Amen. Lie forever. If you want the Lord's blessing, the master key is one accord. We always have to take care of this matter. The master key will help to unlock all the doors. Right? I mean, in this room, has all the riches, has all the the food stuff and all the wealth and so forth. If you don't have the key, you are zero. You don't have anything. But if you have the key, you have access to all these riches. And the one accord is the master key. Amen. You know, just like the oneness is all-inclusive, the division of Satan, which is the division of Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great has its source in Babel, right, in Genesis 11. 
the story of Babel, when mankind felt to challenge God, they want to become higher than God, more powerful than God, they build this tower, the Tower of Babel. And God came in to confound them into different languages so that they cannot speak to each other to destroy their, to, to, to stop their work. Babel is the source of division. And Babel eventually issued in Babylon, uh, in the Old Testament, and ultimately in the Babylon the Great, uh, revealed in Revelation. Babel, Babylon, is, stands for division. Babylon, in Babel, mankind was being divided in their languages so that they cannot cooperate with each other. That was actually a curse because of mankind's ambition, right, to rebel against God. Here in this, in Genesis 11, you have the, the actually, you, can, you, you, you see the connection between man's rebellion and division. They are together, right? It's because of man's rebellion, God came in to confound their languages so that they became divided from one another. They cannot communicate with each other. And this great Babylon the Great includes every negative thing it's like a great tree deeply rooted and settled in the earth. Amen. The little mustard seed prophesied by the Lord in Matthew 13. Uh, he said, grew up to become a big tree. Flourishing with its branches in which Satan's evil spirits with the evil persons and things motivated by him are large. This big tree. Oh, the Bible students know, signifies today's Christendom. The big Christianity as a system, large, with all the evil things there. So, you have to realize, this big tree, symbolizing today's Christendom, has, is lodged with all the evil spirits, evil persons, and the evil things. When you, are, when you relay yourself to this big tree, even unknowingly, unconsciously, you are related to all those evil things. You know, Paul's word in Ephesians 4 is that today, the enemy, through the wind of teaching, the slight of man, he has a, in craftiness, using a system of error to distract God's people through a system of error. There's a tree. There's a tree. Satan has this big tree lodged with all these evil things there. So, it's important to realize division is not just some one isolated thing. There is this big tree lodged with all these negative things as a system, right? As a totality of all these evil things to capture God's people. The main symptom of Satan and his, wor- and his world is the evil. Right? This is, this is the word. Anything related to division is marked with this characteristic, the evil. 
On the other hand, the main attribute of the triune God and His dwelling place is what? The blessing. This morning we are not with the evil. This morning we are with the blessing. When we are one, how good and how pleasant. When the brothers are dwelling together in oneness, we enjoy God's commanded blessing. This is a total blessing. All the positive things, all the wonderful virtues are are the components of this blessing. The Lord prayed to the Father that He would keep His believers from the evil one. Actually, in the, in the Greek, it's the evil. The evil. Division, sta- the, the characteristic of the division is the evil. We need to be kept from the evil. And be preserved in the blessing. So day by day, brothers and sisters, what, we ha- what do we have to do? We have to move out of ourselves with the evil of division and into the divine us. Amen. The very triune God. Get out of that tree. Don't get, don't get involved with that tree. On that tree are lodged with all the evil things. Don't try to sort out well, which branch is better. Right? Oh, this is a bigger branch, stronger branch. As long as you stay with that tree, I tell you, you are, you are stuck with the evil. That's why the Lord made a call in Revelation. Come out of her. Come out of that tree. Don't have anything to do with that tree. We have to come to the place. Actually, this is the divine us signifying the triune God himself. We have to move out of ourself. Ourself, sorry to say, our, our natural life, our fallen soul life. Oh, just uh, like to be always uh, get, get entangled. Get, uh, oh, I, I like to analyze, see which branch is better, right? And you analyze this, analyze that, you, stuck, you get yourself stuck right in the middle of the tree. We have to move out of ourselves with our smart mind, with our hot emotion and all those things that are in our being. We have to move out of ourselves and move into the divine us. Move into the triune God. This morning, I think this weekend, we all need to take a move. Get onto your U-Haul. Move. Move out. Move out of yourself, which are so sticky. You like to stick with all these, with this big tree. You have to get out of that big tree. Move out of ourselves and move into the triune God as the blessing of oneness, and we have to remain in Him for His corporate expression. In this matter of oneness, as you will see, this oneness is not just kind of a nice relationship with each other. This oneness is just a triune God Himself. And for us to keep this oneness, we need to remain in Him. If we at any moment we are not in Him, Right away, the divisive things right away surface. Right? The divisive thoughts surface. We need to remain in Him, move into the triune God, and remain in Him. Anytime that we are in Him, we are practically in the blessing of the oneness, in the blessing of the triune God. Now, Roman numeral 2, the Lord's recovery is the recovery of God's original intention for man to be God's expression, His testimony. 
which is the recovery of the all-inclusive oneness of the body of Christ as the enlarged oneness of the co-inhering triune God. Again, I want to stress, oneness is not just for oneness itself. Oneness is for God's expression. If there is no oneness, there will not be any expression, right? So God desires, when He created man in Genesis, He longs for this expression. And this expression needs the oneness to preserve it, right? And this oneness involves, involves the mingling of God and man. This oneness is not just we human beings trying to be nice to each other. This oneness involves the mingling, the union, the mingling, even the incorporation of God and man together. Uh, You know, the Lord prayed in John 17 that, that they may be one, even as we are one, then the world may know. May know what? That you have sent me. Many times when I read that verse, I, I don't understand. What, what has our oneness to do with God sending the Son? Right? I would, if I were to, were, to, uh, were, write, were to write that verse, you know, if, uh, uh, when we are one, then you know, the world will know how wonderful we are. Right? What a nice, you know, just uh, how... Uh, 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 you know, just how, how, how uh, patient we are with one another, how loving we are with one another, you know. But instead, when we are one, the world will know God has sent the Son. What does this mean? This means that when we are, our oneness with one another is a result of God sending the Son, of God dispensing the Son into us, to live in us, to mingle with us, to be incorporated with us. So our oneness is absolutely a result of our mingling and incorporation with Him. Praise the Lord, God sent His Son. God dispensed His Son. Not just to die for our sins, He dispensed His Son so that He can be mingled with us. He can be incorporated with us so that He can be in us and we can be in Him. The oneness, brothers and sisters, even as the oneness of the triune God, our oneness, the oneness of the body of Christ, is an even as oneness, even as the oneness that is in the triune God is a co-inhering oneness. Just like the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father, that is the oneness. And this is the oneness that the Lord prayed needs to be in us. We are one with one another just by patting each other on the, on the back. I'm one with you, brother. You are, I'm one with you, sister. The Lord wants our oneness to be a co-inhering oneness. A oneness that is as a result of our mingling and incorporation with the triune God. I tell you, this oneness is unbreakable. This oneness is indestructible. Because this oneness is a co-inhering oneness that brings us, bring God into us, and bring us into God, and bring God into all of us, into one another. Right? This is the oneness that is spoken of in John 17. 
And this is the oneness that will render this expression, which is the glory of the triune God, expressed on the earth. Now here are two sub-points. In point A, the Old Testament speaks of nine great men plus the tabernacle and the temple for the recovery of God's expression, His testimony. Right? This is a marvelous sentence summarizing the entire Old Testament. What does the Old Testament talk about? It talks about nine great men plus the tabernacle and the temple for the recovery of God's expression, His testimony. Amen. What a wonderful uh, uh, sentence summarizing the whole Old Testament. Then point B, the New Testament speaks of one unique man who was God's tabernacle and God's temple plus the church as the enlargement of this unique man to consummate in the New Jerusalem as the ultimate consummation of the tabernacle and temple for the recovery of God's expression, His testimony, which is the testimony of Jesus. So, the Old Testament and New Testament is all about this tabernacle and this temple to be the expression of the triune God. Brothers and sisters, this is one burden I have this morning, is that God desires an expression. Amen. He wants to be expressed. But how can, he, how can he, be, he be expressed if there is not the oneness? Right? The oneness is the unique condition for His expression. Right? In the Old Testament, God wants to be expressed. He used the type of the tabernacle and the temple as a means, as a type, to signify this expression. And in the New Testament, God himself came as that unique man. He is the real tabernacle to build a real temple, which is the church, to be the enlarged, the enlargement of himself for his expression. So oneness is for this expression. Now let's go on to Roman numeral 3. The three major items of the Lord's recovery can be seen in the types of the tabernacle and the priesthood for God's expression his testimony. Especially for many younger saints among us, I'd like to impress you what is the Lord's recovery. When you come into the church life, you come into the Lord's recovery, this, you have to realize this is not our name. This is not a kind of the, the late a movement in Christianity. The Lord's recovery is God's move among His people. And as seen here with the, by the types of the tabernacle, and the priesthood in the Old Testament. We can see the principal element that comprise the Lord's recovery. The Lord's recovery is consisted of these three major items. Number one, point A, the Lord's recovery is the, Lord's, is the recovery of the enjoyment of Christ. Amen. Look at all the, the priesthood. They're offering the sacrifices, the sin offerings, trespass offerings. Meal offering, burn offering, all these offerings, you must realize, they are types of Christ. Christ is my sin offering this morning. Christ is my trespass offering. He is my burn offering. Every day we are offering Christ as the reality of all these offerings to God. The Lord's recovery is a recovery of our enjoyment of Christ. Without the enjoyment of Christ, there will not be the priesthood. There will not be the, 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 uh, the Lord's re- the, his recovery on the earth. The whole Christianity is in error 
is in a system of error because they have been distracted from the enjoyment of Christ. And so are we. Although we, you may say, by name, we are in the Lord's recovery, but in reality, we are not enjoying Christ every day. We are also in that era. The Lord's recovery, the first point, is to bring us back to the enjoyment of Christ. Praise Him. Christ is enjoyable. Christ is everything to us. In the morning when you get up, open your eyes, you breathe in the air, fresh air. Thank you, Lord, you are my fresh air today. You put on your, your shirt, put on your pants, Lord, you are my real clothing. You sit down to eat your breakfast, Lord, you are my real meal. You are my real, real toast. You are my real egg. Really, brothers and sisters, we are not here just to try to spiritualize everything. But we do enjoy Christ. Christ is our everything. He is, our, he is the all-inclusive Christ. This is the foremost item of the Lord's recovery. The Lord's recovery is to firstly to recover the enjoyment of Christ as everything to us. This is seen with all the aspects of the furniture of the tabernacle and the offerings. And secondly, point B, the Lord's recovery is the recovery of the functioning of all the members of the body of Christ. Before you came into the recovery, you, you, were, you belonged to a certain denomination, some organization. You, sit, you go to church there every week faithfully, but you sit there, you listen, you nodded your head, you gave your tithe. You never need to function. You never needed to function. And at times when, you're, when, you're, when your parents are sick, you know, someone asks, oh, and you pray for your parents? Oh, no, you, you have to go to ask for the, for the pastor to come to pray. We, we have not been encouraged to function in the past, in, the, in that kind of a, uh, organization. But in the Lord's recovery, it is vital that every member functions. Amen. I hope we see this. Every member, whether you feel you are qualified, not qualified, you are experienced, not experienced, as long as you are a member of the body of Christ, you have a function. Amen. The building up of the body of Christ needs your function. Amen. This is critical. Then this is seen with all the aspects of the serving priesthood. And, and point C, the third aspect, the Lord's recovery, is the recovery of the oneness of the body of Christ, which is our oneness in the triune God. And this can be seen with the oneness of the standing boards of the tabernacle in the overlaying gold and by the uniting bars. So this third aspect of the Lord's recovery is the recovery of the oneness of the body of Christ. As we are, we are recovered back to the enjoyment of Christ. Christ is our everything. Christ is our center. He is our focus. And also as we enjoy Christ, we function. Right? We share. We minister. We exercise. However, we don't exercise and, and function separately, individualist, individualistically. As we function, we are very much concerned and aware that we are all members of the one body. So we, have, we exercise to keep the oneness of the body of Christ. Amen. 
This is our testimony. We are not just a, we are not a, uh, a very active Christian group. We are the body of Christ. <laughs> this is the testimony of Jesus on the earth. So as we are going out to preach the gospel, as we are speaking uh, uh, for the Lord in the meetings, as we are praying and exercising all our spiritual functions, we are very much conscious of one another. We are doing everything in coordination with one another so that there can be one corporate expression. These are the three aspects of the Lord's recovery. And I hope all the saints can have a clear view of this. We need to, we, the Lord's recovery brings us back to the enjoyment of Christ, brings us back to our function, organic function as members of the body of Christ, and brings us back to the keeping of the oneness of the body of Christ. Amen. 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 And all these can be seen in this type of the tabernacle, right? With the priesthood, Functioning, offering the, uh, uh, the offerings. Now, let's go on to Roman numeral 4. In the Bible, there are four great chapters on the all-inclusive oneness, which we are covering this weekend. Firstly, Deuteronomy 12 reveals the unique place of God's choice for keeping the oneness, which we are covering this morning. We come to Deuteronomy 12, <clears throat> where God commands His people again and again and again, that he had chosen a place. He had chosen a place, the unique place of God's choice. This chosen place is to help God's children to keep their oneness. We'll see this. Then, the second portion is Psalm 133, which reveals the blessing of life under the anointing oil and the watering dew on the ground of oneness. We'll see this tonight. Then the third portion is John 17, which reveals the believer's oneness incorporated with the oneness of the triune God for the expression of the process and mingled triune God. This is a marvelous chapter, uh, which is records the Lord's Prayer, which unveiled this wonderful matter of the oneness uh, with the triune God. And point D, the fourth, the fourth portion is Ephesians 4, which reveals the oneness of the body of Christ, which is the mingling of the processed and consummated triune God with the believers. Praise the Lord for these four portions. Amen. Deuteronomy 12, Amen. Psalm 133, Amen. John 17, Amen. Ephesians 4. Amen. So we will cover these four portions you know, this weekend. These are the four main portions in the word touching the matter of oneness. Now, Roman numeral 5, we come to. Deuteronomy 12 reveals the enjoyment of Christ with God at the unique place of God's choice for the keeping of the all-inclusive oneness of God's people. When the children of Israel entered into the good land, they were all apportioned a, 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 lot, of, a, a plot of land. So they were scattered throughout the good land. And God knows that in order to keep the oneness of the 12 tribes of his people, they need to come together. If, you had, if he would just allow them to just uh, be where they are, right, to develop their, uh, their industry there, whatever they are doing there, eventually God's people will be divided into 12 groups. 
So God's intention is that even though they are uh, uh, scattered into this big piece of land in 12 areas, they bear one testimony. They are one people of God. Like the tribe of Dan, they are far in the north. That does not give him any, any ground to say, I can do something different. So God demanded that every, three times a year, wherever you are, the tribes of God's people, you have to come to a place of my choice and to feast with God's people there, with all your fellow brothers, with all the, all the other tribes to demonstrate, to testify the oneness of God's people. God does not have 12 peoples on the earth. God only has one people. Although they are scattered into 12 areas, they testify there is only one people of God. So God has chosen a place, which is Jerusalem. To this place, he put his name there. This is the place of his habitation. This is the place with an altar to which all God's people, when they come together three times a year, they have to bring their produce, bring the tithes, bring the top choice of their, of their, uh, of their harvest, of the, of, the, of, the, of the cattle. They will come together to celebrate, to enjoy, to feast with all the brothers. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just like what we are doing this weekend. This is not a labor. This is a feast. Hallelujah. Let us keep the feast. It's by our feasting. We testify. Oh, I'm not for California. I'm not for for New England. I'm not for New York. I'm not for Florida. I'm for the body of Christ. Although this conference is held here in New England, but this conference is a conference of the body of Christ. Expressed here. So, In Deuteronomy 12, we see this matter of God's choice. We have to honor, we have to submit to God's choice. Even from some of the verses we read earlier, God, a number of times, repeatedly warned His people, you are not allowed to eat in your place. Yes, you reap produce. Yes, you can eat. In a, certain, in, in a common way in your place. But the, as far as the tithe, as far as the first fruits, as far as the choice portion of the produce, you have to preserve them and then bring them three times a year to Jerusalem to enjoy with all the brothers. Amen. You can enjoy the common portion by yourselves in your place. But as far as the choice portion, the top portion, you have to keep those, preserve those, and to bring them to be enjoyed with all of God's people in the place of God's choice. This is a big restriction, right? I mean, we, we, as human beings, we all like to be free. We like to do things we want whenever we want, in whatever way we want. But here, God made His ordination very clearly I have chosen a place. We have to go to the place of God's choice. This place of God's choice is for the preservation of the oneness of God's people. If you read these verses uh, uh, just in uh, Deuteronomy 12, 24 times mentions about God's choice, God choosing. 
It seems that God is trying to impress us. Forget about your choice. It's my choice. I have already chosen for you. You have to come to the place of my choosing. Now point A says, The children of Israel were not allowed to worship God and enjoy the offerings they presented to God in the place of their choice. Preachers today will say, after they, they preach the gospel, you get saved. Well, go to the place, the church of your choice. Sorry, that is not according to the revelation here in, in Deuteronomy 12. We are not given any choice to go to the church of my choice. I don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Because God has already made a choice for me. Right? After I get saved, I have to go to the church of His choice. We are not allowed. You know, these verses, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 12, verse 8, verse 13, verse 17, clearly says, you shall not. Right? Be careful. Don't do this. Within your gates, you're not allowed to eat those, these uh, produce within your gates by yourselves. So God's instruction was very clear, very definite. If you do that, you are going to to uh, cause the body of Christ to be the oneness to be broken, to damage the oneness of the body. So they were to worship God in the place of His choice, the place where His name, His habitation, and His altar were, by bringing their tithes, offerings, and sacrifices to Him there. So God instructed them. He made this place of His choice, this, choice, this place of his choice is where God's name is. It's where God's habitation is. And it's also where his altar was. Now point B. The place of God's unique choice for his worship in Deuteronomy 12 signifies our meeting on the ground of locality for the expression of the one body in practicality signified by Jerusalem and for the reality of the one body in actuality. Now, point C. The revelation in the New Testament concerning the worship of God corresponds to the revelation in Deuteronomy 12 in the following ways. Okay, let's all read. Number one. The people of God should always be one. There should be no divisions among them. Okay, so this is the first point that God's people must always be one. Saints, we have no excuse to be divided. God took great care to emphasize the matter of oneness. So after, although the children of Israel legitimately, they may say after they enter the good land, they have legitimate reason. It's too far. I'm in Dan. I'm, you know, at that time, there's no express train. You know, there's no uh, 747. They just have to, with a mule cart, you know, they have to walk. It's too strenuous. You know, too, too dangerous. They could make all these excuses. But it seems that God has no ear to hear these excuses. He just said, I have chosen a place, and you need to be there three times a year. Because of what? Oneness. Oneness is worth our paying any price. 
Praise the Lord. I see some saints from uh, Montreal. You know, they come down. They took a you know, driving quite a distance to come here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just to be blended with the saints. Right. You, know, it's, you know, Labor Day, a lot of people go out to barbecue, go out to uh, have their fun. You come to travel all this way, you know, take hospitality, and then go to meetings. And What do we do? What are we doing here? We're feasting. Amen. Feasting with God's people. Demonstrating our oneness. Oneness is worth paying any price. Don't give ourselves any excuses to say this or that. I don't think, you know, standing before God, using, even before this illustration in Deuteronomy 12, we have any ground to say, oh, I can, we can do something or in my place or, uh, you know, to ignore the oneness. Right? Look at the price God's people had to pay at that time. So we have to place the oneness as the top priority. Okay, number two, can we read? Amen. 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 Well, the place that God has chosen is the place where God has put his name. And the name always denotes the person. Saints, the place where we meet in the church life is the place where God's name is. Today, the name we treasure is the name of Jesus Christ. We don't have any other name. Don't think that church in Cambridge is our name. The church in Newton is our name. No. I hope especially young saints, you uh, just got saved. You Now you start meeting with the church in Cambridge. What's your name? What's the name of your church? Oh, the church in Cambridge. This is not our name. That's the name of our church. We don't have a name. This is just for the designation for the government. There's a kind of designation with the government. We have to register so that they know there's such an entity. But as the church here, we don't have a name, right? Because he is, he is Christ, and we are the church. He is the husband, and we are his wife. We don't need any name to designate ourselves, right? It's just like uh, 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 Daniel, right? Daniel, uh, uh, your last name is... Uh, Lee, I'm sorry, Lee. <laughs> Mr. Lee. And then his wife is Mrs. Lee. If I ask his wife, what, what, you, you, uh, and then his wife would say, I am uh, uh, beautiful Lee. <laughs> you don't have to make any modifier. You're just Mrs. Lee. Or you are Mrs. Beautiful. You, are, you, 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 you try to use some, some words to describe yourself. Are you, are you Mrs. Lee? Well, I'm beautiful. Or I'm smart. Or I'm this. Are you Mrs. Lee or not? That's the point. Today, is, today sorry to say, among Christians, many are denominated under many different names. Names of different persons, such as Luther's or the 
Wesleyans, Wesleys, or certain practices. Brothers and sisters, among us, as God's people, we don't have any name other than the name of Jesus Christ, the one we love. We are his bride. He is our husband, right? By designating with any other name, it's just a misrepresentation of ourselves. So, don't think, don't, don't think that the church in such and such a place is our name. That is not our name. We do not have a name. We are meeting together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This name denotes the person, right? The, pers- the one whom we uphold, whom we treasure, whom we enjoy, is the Lord Jesus himself. Amen. So he should be the one who is the content of our meeting. Whenever we come together, we are not exalting certain so-and-so, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. The content, the one exalted in our meeting should be this wonderful person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, let's all read. Amen. 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 Well, this place chosen by God is the place of God's habitation. And according to Ephesians 2, God's habitation is in spirit. It's in our spirit. Actually, not just our human spirit, but it's in our mingled spirit. Our human spirit that has been regenerated and indwelt with the spirit of God. Now in our spirit, this mingled spirit is the reality of God's dwelling place, God's habitation. So when we come together to meet on the ground of oneness, not only are we meeting in the name of the Lord, with the Lord's person among us, but we all must be exercising our mingled spirit. If all of us, yes, we recognize Jesus Christ as our unique center, yet when we come together, we are in our mind, you are in yourself, you are in your, your emotion there, you are when it's in the, the, the stubborn will. You're not exercising the spirit. Where is the reality of this oneness? Where is the expression of the church? So it is critical, brothers and sisters, remember this place where we, we are called to come together of God, the place of God's choice is the place of God's habitation. Amen. It's the place in our mingled spirit. Amen. So whether I'm speaking here, whether you're listening there, we all must be in our mingled spirit. Amen. Only when we exercise our mingled spirit, there is the reality of God's habitation. Amen. Without the spirit, this is just an empty, vain, religious gathering. But when, whenever we exercise our spirit, Right away, there is a feeling, God dwells here. Right? This is God's habitation. Now, number four, let's all read. In our worship of God, we must have the genuine application of the cross of Christ. Amen. Signified by the altar, by rejecting the flesh, the self, and the natural life, and worshiping God with Christ and Christ alone. The place that God has chosen 
has an altar in the front. And all God's people, when they come, bringing their produce to be sacrificed, to be offered at the, at the altar. This signifies that in the place of God's choice, there is always the cross terminating everything of our natural life. Everything of ourself, everything of the old man needs to be left out outside of the church. When we come into the meeting, come into the church life, everything of ourself is left out there. It's all terminated at the cross. So in the church of Jesus, you know, we have, uh, there's a, a song in the church of Jesus, there is room for you, there is a place for you. Actually, there's no room for you. There's no, there's no room for the self. There's no room for the natural man. You are, oh, I'm coming into the church life, I'm, I'm an executive, I'm a bank manager, I know exactly what to do things in the church here. Sorry, your, your bank manager has to be nullified there at the cross. At the entrance of every church, there is a cross, nullifying us, right? Terminating us. So the cross is implied here. In the place of God's choice is, is only Christ and Christ being exalted. Okay, lastly, number five. Amen. Well, you know, three times a year when God's people came together in Jerusalem, you think they, they came together crying, weeping, or just uh, sighing? No, they, were sing, they, were, they came together singing. Amen. They were singing the songs of ascent. Amen. Even before they arrived, as they were climbing the hill, they were singing the songs of ascent, Psalm 133. They were rejoicing. Oh, now we're going to get to meet uh, 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 the brothers. Uh, me and my family, right? They were just rejoicing. And now we can celebrate with all the produce, all that they have been laboring on all year. I'm going to enjoy it with all my brothers. Amen. It's a time of rejoicing. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the greatest testimony of the Lord, of the Lord's dwelling place on the earth, is that we are a people enjoying the Lord. Amen. We are bringing our enjoyment of Christ together. We exhibit Him. We enjoy Him, feast, we feast on Him together as a corporate people. Even as we are feasting together, not only we are satisfied, but God is feasting with us. Amen. God is enjoying this with us. If you read those verses uh, in Deuteronomy 12, you know, it, it says very clearly, some, there are some foods you can eat and enjoy by yourself at home. But there are certain produce the top choice, the tithes, the top tens, the firstlings, the first fruits must be brought together to be enjoyed with all of God's children. Amen. There is a difference between the enjoyment you have by yourself in your study, in your own home, than the enjoyment you have when coming to the meetings. Amen. Isn't that right? That's right? I can certainly testify to that. I can read the same chapter. I can read it by myself at home. I can come here and read it again together with the brothers. A totally different taste. It's a different realm. Because this is the place of God's choice. This is the place where God's name is. God's habitation is. Where the cross is, nothing, the soul life, has to be left out. 
Here, God's presence is here. God's anointing is here. So there is a special time of enjoyment, rejoicing with God's people. So whenever we come together, brothers and sisters, don't forget, we must exercise our spirit. And this is a time of rejoicing, enjoying Christ together, right? This is a time of feasting. Now, let me just uh, go on to touch a chap- message two a little bit, mainly on Roman numeral three, which says, in order to be today's overcomers, we must enjoy Christ with God on the ground of oneness for the exhibition of Christ, the building of the church, and the preparation of Christ's bride. So as you can see, that this... Uh, For the keeping of oneness, God has chosen a place. We have to honor God's choice. We should not insist on my preference, my choice, my taste. We have to respect and honor God's choice. And God's choice is a place of feasting. It's a place of enjoyment of all the rich produce of the good land, which are the reality of Christ. So every day, as we are in our respective places, at home, at work, we need to live a life of enjoying Christ, of laboring on Christ, so that whatever Christ I have gained, I will bring him to the meeting and share it and enjoy it with all my brothers and sisters. So with this view, brothers and sisters, how we carry out our daily life, is in view of this place of God's choice. For the place of God's choice, I need to bring Christ with me. right? But in order to bring Christ with me, I need to enjoy Him, labor on Him, day by day. So in this point, it touches a matter of overcomers. We need to be those who overcome. right? Don't be lazy. Sometimes you are given a plot of land, you know. Oh, there's a land there that you will provide. Maybe the first year is, is okay, the same thing you grow up. But then if you, don't, you, if you do not diligently labor, next year you don't have the reaping, you don't have the produce, right? That, like what we're talking about in the Jubilee. Some eventually have to sell the land because you even sell yourself, you get enslaved. Well, that is not a good testimony. So in, in order for us to honor God's choice, to come to the place together with God's people, to enjoy together, we must be those overcomers who would labor on Christ, to gain Christ, to enjoy Him every day. Now, the point A says, the children of Israel could enjoy the rich produce of the good land in two ways. The common private way was to enjoy it as a common portion at any time, in any place, and with anyone. The special corporate way was to enjoy the top portion the first fruits, the firstlings, with all the Israelites at the appointed feast and in the unique place chosen by God. Amen. So likewise, the enjoyment of Christ by His believers is of two aspects. The common private aspect is to enjoy Christ as our God-allotted portion at every time and in every place. But the special corporate aspect is to enjoy the top portion of Christ in the meetings of the proper church life. On the unique ground of oneness, the place chosen by God. Amen. The point, point C says, let's all read point C. We need to live a life of laboring upon Christ. Amen. A life of 
life of enjoying Christ personally. Amen. So that we may enjoy Him together collectively. Amen. Amen. So every day, brothers and sisters, we need to labor on Christ with the view, with the view of, I am preparing to go to the meeting in, on the place of God's choice. Amen. To enjoy Christ with all of God's people together with God. This laboring on Christ means what? You need to have morning revival. In the morning, when you get up, contact the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Pray, read His word. Right? Read the Bible every day. And even during the course of our daily life, there are many opportunities for you to deny yourself, for you to take Christ as your person. These are all opportunities for us to gain Christ, for us to labor on Christ. Then the Christ you gain will be a rich enjoyment when coming together with the saints. Now let's go to Roman numeral 4. Let's all read together. Amen. In the Lord's recovery, we elevate Christ and Christ alone. We exalt no persons. We exalt no practice. We exalt no uh, uh, any kind of emphasis. We only want to exalt Christ. In the church life, Christ must have the preeminence. You know, under this, point B says, the intrinsic reason for the desolation and degradation of God's people is that Christ is not exalted by them. They do not give him the preeminence, the first place in everything. Now let's all read the last point, point C. The way to be restored from desolation is to exalt Christ. Amen. The enjoyment of Christ Amen. is God on the ground of oneness. Amen. Amen. So this is the all-inclusive oneness as revealed to us in Deuteronomy 12. There is a place of God's choice. Leave, let aside, leave aside your preference, your choice. Take God's choice as your choice. But in taking God's choice, we must labor on Christ. We must gain Christ, right? And daily labor on Him, gain Him. So that we can, when, whenever we come together, we are not exalting this, not exalting that. We are just exalting Christ. Amen. And Christ himself, that he will have the preeminence. Amen. When Christ is preeminent among us, this oneness will be preserved. Amen. We are standing on the ground of oneness, not in a kind of formal way, in a kind of a routine way. Among us, we, have, we must have the reality of the enjoyment of Christ. Amen. Right? We exercise our spirit. We exhibit Him. Right? We bring forth all the riches of Christ. Then spontaneously, when people come to our midst, they can, they can testify, God is surely among you. Amen. This is surely the people of God. Amen. This is not a place of confusion. Right. This is not a place of desolation. Right. This is a place of the oneness Amen. of the body of Christ. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. This is a time of rejoicing, right? Of overflowing. 
we, get, we are so glad to see uh, the coming together of so many saints. Maybe it would be good to have uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes for us to overflow. Whatever you enjoy, maybe uh, keep it to a minute or less, okay, so that many, of saints, many saints can share. Amen. Remember, one of the aspects of the Lord's recovery is the functioning of all the saints. Every saint must function. Amen. I think Jim Bellow was ready to start first. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for this all-inclusive oneness. Amen. It's not uh, social uh, 